From Optimized Health, this is the True Health Podcast, where we unlearn diet culture and personalize our health, one tip and story at a time. My guests today are Ashley Gonzalez and Macy Swaim, two incredible forces in the dance world globally, and we are diving into some delicate but important territory. Today, we're discussing the culture around food, movement, body, and mind in the dance community, and directly talking about disordered eating and body dysmorphia in the space. For some background on both of them, Macy is a dancer and educator who moved to LA at age 19, and since then has worked with Billie Eilish, Rihanna, J-Lo, Camila Cabello, Zed, Marin Morris, and more. Ashley is a dancer and choreographer based in LA and good friend of mine. She was a semi-finalist on season two of NBC's hit show World of Dance, where her performance won an Emmy for choreography. She has danced in different capacities for Prince, J-Lo, Justin Bieber, Nicki Minaj, Taylor Swift, and Gwen Stefani, just to name a few. The goal of this episode, as is the goal of this entire podcast, is to unlearn the toxic diet culture in our society and examine how it shows up in different ways for different people. I'm honored to have both Ashley and Macy here today to share their experience and bring light to realities that many of us feel but do not say. And with that, let's jump in. What's up? How are you guys? Good. How are you? Doing great. Mason, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have both of you here. This is uh, the first time, we were talking about this before, first time ever having two guests. Mm-hmm. So it's um, a wild, wild experiment we're uh, entering together here. It's going to be uh, fun. It's going to be, it's yeah, gonna it's be, gonna be incredible. So you two, for context, you two work together often. Friendship. When I initially reached out to Ashley about this, um, who I've known for many years now, Ashley was like, Macy is the person. Like, we're going to do this together. It's going to be amazing. Oh, that's so sweet, Ash. <laughs> um, no, yeah, me and Ash have, we've known each other for, I don't know, like years, years. But recently, like the past, like two or three years, we've really dived in together, working together, dancing together, creating together and like, just really bonding off our movement styles and it's also allowed us to just get to know each other as like individuals as well and we have really enjoyed just like diving in becoming really close with each other intellectually and creatively and just so many personal things we've been through together that have been or been through separately that are very comparable to each other so Mm. it's been the last like two or three years we've really become super close yeah Perfectly said, Macy. <laughs> um, so let's jump in. So I have lots of thoughts, you know, and areas we want to explore. But um, just to start, and we're going to kind of leave it open-ended, let's get each of you to kind of give quick kind of like origin story background, um, specifically like around the dance space, like what got you into it and, you know, as it relates to anything around body food movement in yourself then maybe like some context for when different thoughts around all of that started to change or evolve or kind of just enter into the realm of it um so Ashley you want to go first yeah um I grew up in Orange County California 
uh, my mom and my aunt actually owned a dance studio. So that's where I grew up first, learning how to dance, all that good stuff. And then around 18 is when I moved out to L.A., got out of the house right away to pursue my dream, my goal, everything that I wanted in the dance career. But going back to the growing up in the dance world from started dancing at two was still competing competitively at my dance studio till 18. I already knew that, I mean, I'm jumping into it right away, but I already knew that my body type was not the one that was going to be booking in the LA industry. Um, you just kind of form this habit of like, you know, you have to wear your dance costumes. They have to be tight fitting because you need to see a line and you have to show the technique. So I kind of knew growing up from not two, even though I started dance at two, but maybe from like 10 to 18 that I had a specific body type that I knew wasn't going to be the best for my career. Mm -hmm. Um, but with that being said, when I moved out to LA, it took me years to book a job. It kind of took me years to figure out who I was, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to become, um, not only as a person, but as a dancer and how I wanted to be known. Um, but, but wrapping around with, you know, the body stigma of what looks good on camera, what doesn't look good on camera, um, you kind of grow into it pretty fast. You kind of figure out what people want and what people don't want from the audition process. Um, I know I'm kind of like babbling and I like went right into it, like totally deep, but um, that was just kind of my take on it. Just quick and in, but yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Lots of things there. We're going to get back to it. We're going to get back to it. There. Macy, how about you? Yeah. So I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, and <laughs> I started as a gymnast actually till I was about, 10 years old and then moved into dance then and honestly like I didn't have too much trouble with the body image when I was like really young like in my teenage years I knew I wasn't I knew I was a more muscular body type versus like a little twig or when you're growing into your body and you're kind of lanky like I was more of like the muscular a little bit thicker but I didn't see it as like detrimental until Probably I moved out to Las Vegas when I was 17. Um, it was kind of my pit stop before going to LA and I trained really heavily in ballet. So that was like the first time I'd really been in a room with like, cause in ballet, all you wear is leotard and tight. So it's very a form fitting outfit where you can see everything mm -hmm. of your body shape. And when I was training in ballet heavily, like every single day I was reminded every day in a room of like, super tall skinny skinny ballerinas and I am not that body type whatsoever I'm 5'2 I'm not you know I'm not 5'8 5'10 with like long legs I'm very muscular I'm very much like a gymnast body I would say mm -hmm. um and so that was like my first probably experience of like really heavily feeling um the differentiations of body image and how they can affect in dance um, when I was younger and I did competition, I would be put in like, you know, a half top and things like that to show your body. And I wasn't the most comfortable, but I was like, you know, it's just my body. Like, it's fine. But I think I, when I started realizing like, oh, this is what people really look like to like be successful in the dance world. That's when I really started to get affected mentally. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm sure I know we'll dive in more, but long story short, I and the long story will become long as we talk more in this podcast. But summarization wise, I did struggle a lot with um, dieting and I went like to an extreme diet for a whole year, cut out a lot of things and lost about like 40 pounds. And when I started eating regular again, it switched from dieting culture to binge eating disorder because I had taken so many things out of my life. And then when I tried to find balance, I just like started binging a lot of things that I couldn't eat for an entire year. So then I gained almost all that weight back very quickly. And ever since then, like at the age of 17, because that's when I first started dieting, ever since then, it's been a constant battle of like trying to find balance and no longer a dieting culture, but more of a lifestyle mm-hmm. of just balance eating and having moderation and listening to your body and listening to your mind and what it wants in the moment. Um, so it's been a constant journey. And, you know, even like Ashley said, we've like, there's so many dance jobs where you're in such tight clothing. And I've been to auditions where they literally will say, we're only keeping the hot girls with good bodies, like in the room, they'll just announce that. So if you get cut, you know, that just immediately knocks your brain of, okay, well then I'm not hot and I don't have a good body. So there's a lot of things in the dance industry that can really knock your confidence in your shell of an image as that is what we are mainly watched for as women specifically. So that's kind of like a spark notes version of my entire past, whatever years. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think what's first thing that comes to mind for, for both of you is that, you know, and I understand this is part, you know, kind of the nature of it, but, um, both of you talking about your body type, you both very quickly were like, well, I have a body type like this in a way, almost like you had sort of almost dissociated from it. Like you were talking about another person or something like that. Um, is that something that you find where, like Ashley, for example, you said, oh, I very quickly knew I didn't have the body type that was going to be booked for jobs in LA. Mm -hmm. Like the body type, just to like start there and kind of from a dancer's perspective, especially growing up and getting into the space, what is that like recognizing your body type and the implications that come with that? Oh, well, I feel that when I realized that my body type wasn't what they were or what the industry was specifically looking for. I think that it had had such a long effect on me or just like a long-term like question, is this even what I want to do? Am, is, am I meant to do this? Um, but even growing up, like, cause we were both at competitive dance studios, you know, you do wear those tight fitting outfits. We would call them uniforms and there were black booty shorts and a black bra. So taking ballet class, I mean, next to, I mean, I am short. I think Macy and I both have the same body types. I would also consider myself as a gymnastics type body um, where I'm a little bit shorter. My torso is a little bit shorter. I have shorter legs, but I'm more muscular. Um, I knew looking at myself in the mirror during ballet class in my uniform that I feel like I it's not that I feel like I had a long road ahead of me. I just knew that I had a lot to process and I had a lot to learn and dislearn. 
Um, especially with my mother being my teacher, it was never easy hearing from her like, look, this isn't your body type that um, you and so and so don't have the same body type. You two are very different from each other. And that's not a bad thing. But hearing it from your mother, it's so different hearing it from your teacher. So I think for me, just growing up from the competitive dance world, competition world into the industry, I just knew it was going to be a long process for me to understand how I was going to get where I wanted to go. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah. But, no. I'm... Can I chime something in? Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, yeah. I think the other thing too, that me and Ashley have in common, <clears throat> we, we are a little bit more wide boned. Um, mm-hmm. And a big thing that was about like the dancer body is like very um, narrow body, like a thin waist. And mm-hmm. for us that have a little bit more like wider of a rib set, um that was like a struggle it's a very specific thing but I do feel like that causes a lot like because it makes your shoulders wider it makes like it gives you more of a square shape than an hourglass shape and (laughs) nowadays I will say like the flexibility of a body image and dance is becoming way more wide range and more accepted but even for like the you know hip-hop artists and the rap artists it's like they want more thicker girls but it's thicker girls with like a skinny waist and a big butt and for me and ash you know we're more muscular and we don't have like the big curves we're more like a straight set body and um so even though that the acceptance of bodies has still changed and still become like a little bit more accepting of different bodies there's still i hate to say that there there is still like a slight certain bodies don't fit in Mm -hmm. ill even though there is more accepted if that makes sense um and it's obviously with generations of you know in every decade there's a different kind of body image there's different kind of like makeup face look everything like that it changes over time um which that's another struggle of topic and in itself is our bodies can't change our bone structure every decade so you know you're kind of stuck with the body you have so and in an entertainment industry where everything's visual and so all that matters is really how you look it's a struggling process to just relearn and discern every time the audience wants something different Mm -hmm. wow so it it almost at least from what you're describing brings up this constant cycle where initially especially through something like an initial audition process it is very plainly I don't want to say a hundred percent, obviously, but there's a lot of plainly articulated thoughts about your body said to you through that process or even unspoken, but implied through that process, which is going to make you much more sensitive, self-conscious, hyper aware. And then beyond that first phase, right? Like even if you do get that gig, that job (laughs) through that process, it's extremely physical. Your body is such an exposed piece of it. Um, not even to mention nutrition, sleep, hydration, all the things outside of it that impact your body, that you're sort of constantly through each phase of the system forced to be confronted with whatever you're feeling or thinking or other people's thoughts on your body every step of the way. Yeah, absolutely. And like, like you said, a lot of unspoken things, it's something as simple as getting an audition notice and it says wear form fitting clothing, or there's already a height restrictment that we can't change our height or even 
things where like even nowadays they want strictly plus size or strictly curvy girls and it's like okay well I don't fit in that but I also don't fit in the like five six and above but I also don't fit in the so there's a lot of like rules and regulations that come with certain jobs working for certain artists and things like that that we ourselves can't control but subconsciously I think they do put um a damper on how we're viewing ourselves because at the end of the day it's not as much how talented you are and how gifted you are and how your work ethic is it's more so what you look like yeah or even like back in the day I don't know if they still do this anymore just because of COVID with all the auditioning you know it's not as big as it used to be but Mm -hmm. even back in the day when you would show up to an audition and it would have a height requirement five one to five five regardless of the height requirement they would still divide you of what your body type and your height or even your ethnicity so it would be completely divided like over here the latinas the five one and the five twos then splitting over here you have your like redheads who are like skinnier but a little bit tall like it would be clear divides so it wasn't even so much unspoken back in the day you would just sit there and you would see it in front of your face and you'd go oh now i know exactly where what i am so because i'm in this group in the audition, they're mm-hmm. bringing everybody in and separating you by your ethnicity, height, body type, like in the yes. room. Yes. And then they would have you audition with your ethnicity or your type, and then they would cut you from there. So then they would just pick their favorites out of that group. Wow. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not only that. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, but there is also a thing they do called a type cut, which is literally the type of person you look like your type of person and so before even getting the chance to dance you'd stand in a line and they would just say like yes no yes no yes no um just by looking you up and down so before dancing before even dancing wow that's Mm -hmm. really intense in a room with like 200 people just standing (laughs) like five long lines and then the choreographer and the assistant would just be like please stay no thank you please stay no thank you Oh man, that's really intense. And and psychologically, that has massive damaging effects to everybody in the room, even the ones who get the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and playing devil's advocate in the entertainment industry, unfortunately, you know, it's a lot of matching, especially dance-wise, it's a lot of matching the singer or the artist or the person mm-hmm. who you're backupping for. So I get it. If it's someone like Taylor Swift, she's like, super tall so they can't right. have someone five two right by her but it, it, and I so that's just playing devil's advocate like they need a certain look or like you know certain artists they want an entire race the same or something like that it's completely understandable but I think subconsciously it does do something to us um regardless if it if it's unintentional or intentional or if it's meant to not hurt anybody I think subconsciously it does do something to us Yeah. And I think, and I was going to bring that up too, right? That there is that element, especially um, prior to doing all this, when I used to work in the music industry, like understanding how some of that works, where yes, to your point, like certain artists are going to have a certain type of dancer, just like certain type of band member, possibly, or anybody else involved. Um, But I also think that even with that, those, like, if you look at the broader scope and community, those are still relatively small um, 
you know, a small number of artists and situations compared to the larger sort of like um, culture around all of it. And I think what what's interesting to think about is even for like, there are so many dancers that are not, you know, don't have the credits I rattled off in the the bio about both of you, right? Like there are, the thing that's heartbreaking to me is picturing millions of young dancers who are in their existing body going into the industry, telling themselves the reasons why they can't do certain things. Like that is sad in any industry. Um, and I think one of the challenges is that people don't at least publicly talk about it very much. It's sort of like an implied accepted thing. And it seems like, and this goes into other parts of entertainment industry too, there's this interesting thing where people, everyday people might be kind of aware, but it's like entertainment to them to an extent. So they don't care or think too deeply into it. Meanwhile, there's an entire wave of essentially traumatized people trying to pursue their passion in spite of emotional, psychological damage. Yeah, I also think I also think there's still even though there is more of an acceptance, there's still a grouping like why is it that now just Lizzo, because she's plus size, she's having plus size dancers. Why can't a regular sized artist have plus size dancers, you know? Mm -hmm. And like Lizzo is bringing those people on and it's an amazing thing because that's what she stands for. But why can't someone without that body type also stand for it and also support dancers of that size? You know, like I think there is that acceptance and changing of supporting certain body types, but it's, it's still like segregated in certain ways, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. So, you know, someone who is plus size is growing up being like, oh, like the only person who really has plus size dancers is Lizzo. So that's the only person I can dance for. So that's like things like that is already subconsciously putting that into their brain. And it's like, it feels limiting in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's still limiting, even though it's becoming more accepting. What about um, relationship with food, relationship with eating? Let's um, jump into that because that's a big thing. That's a huge thing. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think massive thing. Um, what have either of you, whoever wants to start, just any thoughts on maybe through this process, how it impacts your relationship with food or even within the dance community, right? Like conversations among dancers or noticing what other dancers are eating versus what you're eating or ignoring your hunger cues because you might feel guilty or like you're not supposed to be hungry even though you've been moving for eight hours that day, all that kind of stuff. That, that last thing that you just said. But I think for me, going back to like when I first came out to the industry when I was 18, I, you know, it like you said, People don't really talk about it as you're moving out. It's just like a subconscious thing. It's always on it's always on everyone's mind about the body type. But I think for me, when I first moved out, food, like coming to set with a prepped lunch pail, it never dawned on me that that was a thing to do. So when I saw all these like <clears throat> older adults pulling out their like apples and their like granola bars, I was like, oh, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, am I supposed to be 
okay, got it. Understood. So then like, even then it dawned on me like, okay, got it. Now I get what I'm supposed to be eating, seeing this, like, no offense, but like this really skinny twig next to me, stick figure, like that's, I guess that's what I'm supposed to be doing. But Ethan, you know, me, uh, and my process with food, I, Macy and I have kind of the same story, but, um, uh, I've had a really love hate relationship with food my entire life. Um, especially growing up in the competitive dance world and you're wearing those tiny costumes, you kind of know, like, it's just the thing that, you know, even as a kid, if you have to put on the tight costume, it's probably best to not eat that pizza that day. But even as I got older, I would either eat too much and feel really bloated the next day. So then to the point where I would be like, Oh, I'm going to skip a few meals today because I can feel it and see it in my gut, in my, in my leggings when I'm looking at myself through the mirror. So today I'm going to just allow that to settle into my stomach and I'll wait a couple of hours to eat. But I think I tried my best to understand what worked well for me, even though I struggled so long to figure out, um, like working out with you for so long you've taught me to find the foods that work best for my body type and that will help me elongate and have the longevity in my career. Um, but that took me so long to get there. I mean, I'm 31 now, but it took me until 28 to finally meet you. And you had to sit down and tell me like, listen, food and you are friends. It's going to help you at the end of the day. Why don't you eat so it can rise and help you rise to the occasion rather than sink you in the opposite direction. But why that took me so long to understand, I don't know. It's, again, not a talked about thing. Nutrition, we don't really speak about it in L.A. Um, I didn't even talk about it a lot with my friends. Food was never really a thing. We would meet up and go eat lunches together, but we never, like, it was just, ne nutrition was never a thing, which is surprising to me, especially being in the industry as a dancer. You would think we would have classes at, like, a dance studio of, I don't know. I'm thinking out loud, but like, I'm just shocked that it's not a thing. Nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, that type of thing I think should be, I mean, that's my own thought, but like, why would nutrition not be part of the process? Right. Yeah. Especially given one day of moving like you two are and having improper nutrition, you, you, I mean, you feel it immediately. Um, Macy, how about, how about you? And you touched on some of it earlier on, but nutrition, food relationship. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I will say I struggled the same thing with Ashley, whereas, you know, I try to do a diet where I cut out every, I cut out sugar, I cut out carbs, I cut out, like, I was literally just eating a protein bar for breakfast, a chicken breast for lunch, and then like a tomato salad for dinner. So I soon realized I could not get the energy I needed as a dancer based off what I was eating. So I did go to a nutritionist and learned a lot about what foods fueled my body and whatnot. Um, but since Ashley already touched base on that subject, I actually, what I still struggle with today is timing of eating. Um, mm. I... And actually, I know I'm not alone, but I, a lot of people don't talk about this, or at least I haven't found anyone that I've really like um, related to on this, but I schedule like I have a tendency to schedule my entire day based off when I'm going to eat. Um, 
if someone wants to meet for lunch so like I ask to do lunch when I'm gonna normally eat I'm very like I get stressed when my eating is gonna be off the times because then I'm scared I'm gonna either starve myself or and then end up in binging just from post-trauma of like a binge eating disorder or I stress that like I'm gonna eat two meals too quickly next to each other um and that's honestly probably the hardest thing with me I I have a better relationship with like what I'm putting in my body but when I'm putting in my body is my biggest struggle especially like when we're scheduled a rehearsal at 11 a.m and so I know lunch isn't going to be till four and I'm like okay well I normally eat lunch at like one and dinner at like seven so that four so then am I just going to starve myself until four and then eat so much Mm. um so that's like probably my biggest stress factor with food at the moment. Um, and I also think that's just from dieting because dieting is so like, especially like fat, uh, uh, fasting, like when you do like an eight and 16 hour breakup or yeah. everything's so based off like when you eat, when you need to eat it, there's a, there's a breakfast at this time, there's a snack, there's a lunch and everything's like so organized. <clears throat> and I think subconsciously that's something I really struggle with still to this day. Like, if you know my friends are like let's do dinner at nine and I'm like oh my god I can't I can't wait an extra two hours because then I'm gonna eat too much I'm gonna be so hungry so there's a lot of things that stress me out about that and that's still an everyday learning dislearning situation but to also go on top of Ashley I also think there's a little bit of problem with when we are on jobs the catering or the food provided is like I did a job where every day we had like a fast food catering, like we had Panda Express one day and things like that. And I was like, there is no way our bodies are supposed to be eating this when we're in an eight hour rehearsal. Like you expect me to eat this and then be full out dancing right after like no way. So I think there's an unspoken also like treatment of catering, which I, I do find is getting better, but even my friends, they'll be on a job and they'll be like, yeah, they gave us like some like really like greasy Mexican food for lunch. And they were like, it just made me feel like crap like the whole day. And so there should be also like when food is provided, I think there should be a spoken thing that this is where nutrition should come in, in the dance industry, because I just don't think it's mentioned. I have so many thoughts on everything you just said. Um, First, when you were talking just now and I want to get back to what you're talking about about the meal timing in a second but the real theme what you're describing as far as eight hour days Ashley you mentioned looking at the person next to you eating an apple and you say I guess I'm supposed to eat an apple or Macy you're talking about well here's your you know Taco Bell or whatever good luck dancing for six hours after this back to what we were talking about with the rehearsals and separating everybody like the word for what all of this is is being objectified like that's really what it is in 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 a different lens maybe in different areas it's sort of this it's kind of like a dehumanizing process it sounds like that's like the word that comes to mind for me because to be separated based on your ethnicity and height and body type and then even before being able at times to rehearse or to audition to do the thing you're there to do being cut already And if you do make it, you're not sure when you're supposed to eat, how much you're supposed to eat. You're given low quality food and asked to work all day. Like that's a dehumanizing experience. 
So how would anybody not have some level of body dysmorphia or disorder? Like it would be almost impossible not to, which is interesting. I agree. I mean, <laughs> I if, like I can't imagine based on what you're describing, I couldn't imagine somebody not having issues with their body through that. Like, I, I don't know if you, either of you probably maybe don't even know one per like, I would imagine there's not one person where you're like, no, that person's totally great. Like all smooth, you know, which is sad. Yeah. It's a heartbreaking thing. Um, I want to get back to what you were just saying, Macy, as far as um, intermittent fasting and meal timing and some of the obsession and, you know, acknowledging that a lot of that was a response to, you know, past experiences that you're still working through, which I totally get and relate to. Um, it's interesting, like I find in our health coaching practice now, like we're working with people to help them, you know, hit their health goals, feel their best without the more kind of obsessive and restrictive mindset. And I find that meal timing is a challenge. It's a real challenge. And, and the real reason that I've found in people is that through this disordered eating process, you lose trust in your instincts. Like you lose trust in your own hunger cues. So after a while, you stop trusting yourself and you start telling yourself you're full when you're not or that you're not hungry when you actually are hungry. And when you stop losing that trust, then you are forced to regimen everything because you, you're you assuming that your body's not going to tell you the right thing or the real truth, which is super intense to navigate. 100%. And that's what I think I lost complete control over was knowing when I was hungry because I relied on eating at the same time every day that my body then just would like, it almost... I would almost automatically force myself to be hungry for the time that I needed to eat rather than just naturally letting my body take the course it needs to take and tell me, Oh, I'm hungry at 12 instead of two to eat lunch. And I should have listened to that. You know, mm. um, I completely agree. I think the whole meal timing can subconsciously really let you lose your intuitive, um, the intuitive connection that you have with your inner self and your inner body and your digestive system and your hunger. And, you know, I think that causes a lot of issues with like bloating and digestion, everything like that, because you're just going against your natural, your natural state of hunger. Yeah. And I also think I want to acknowledge, I think it's um, admirable you being so open about it because I know a lot of people aren't, you know, and I know that's tough. Um, and it's a process too. It's not like sometimes I hear people say things like, oh, well, just listen to your body and just as though, okay, got it. Thank you so much. Now I'm good. It's like a really tough ongoing process, um, especially given your background. Yeah. Yeah. That's intense. Um, what about on, I kind of just touched on it, but I'm curious, you know, talking about how systematically or, you know, Ashley, you mentioned people eating around each other. Like you mentioned, there's not much talk about nutrition necessarily. Um, I know you mentioned there's not much kind of education around it, but what about as a community? Like do people like the stuff we're talking about today, part of why I wanted to do this is to talk about it because I don't think that many do, but within the dance world, do people share about these struggles? Do people talk about 
you know, any of these issues with each other? Well, I think, you know, me and Macy obviously have talked about this a few times together and how we can, you know, uplift each other with these things that we've had going on in the past with our food problems. But I mean, most of my friends don't really talk about this. It's not a very open thing. Um, I don't know if it's because we all just feel like it makes us look weak, maybe. But, um, you know, it's so funny to me that being vegan is so talked about. And yes, vegan is healthy in some ways, but not nutrition in ways we can help our body as dancers. I feel like being vegan has helped a lot of dancers lose weight. Um, but I don't know if it's in the healthy way, if that makes any sense. It makes total sense. Um, I think a lot of the times you, I find people will use words, whether it's vegan, you know, Macy, to your point, intermittent fasting, keto, paleo, whatever, mm -hmm. as a mask for obsessive restrictive eating. And it's like, it's okay to say I'm eating you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing intermittent fasting, I'm doing keto, I'm doing vegan, it wouldn't be okay to be like, well, I'm really eating a 1000 calories a day, which for a lot of people to say one thing is masking something else. Mm -hmm. um, and also, just to, not to go on a rant about it. But it also implies that the goal is always thinness and weight loss, as though that's always the right decision versus actually nourishing yourself and feeling good which is a much more sustainable route. Um, it's so fascinating. And and Macy, how about you? Do you find a similar thing? Like people might kind of glorify, okay, I'm losing weight or I'm doing vegan or people talk about it in that lens. But it kind of, I mean, it makes sense, but it also kind of surprises me, honestly. Like I would think if so many people are struggling with a similar thing, not that everybody would not, I understand why people aren't publicly talking about it, but I would think there's some bonding that could happen around like a related challenge with some of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about this in general, but I guess the first thing I would say, what I've experienced outwardly seeing other people is that there's a lot of masking with, um, humor in the sense of um you know we'll be in a fitting all trying on outfits and then we'll, somebody will be like oh my god this looks like terrible body dysmorphia right like make like a joke about it and i'm like yeah so we're all we're all on the same page right like why are we like this isn't really like funny you know like it's an actual issue that we should all be trying to solve but I think it's kind of a fact that like we've also come to like, oh, we're, we just all have it because that's what this industry is. So like we're just going to live with it like here we are. And so that's almost why I feel like it's not talked about a lot because everybody knows we're like we all know we're all facing it. And instead of all being like, how are we going to face this and how are we going to heal from it? It's more like it is what it is. This is what the industry does to us. And so that's why I almost feel like it's not talked about a lot because everybody's just comfortable and in dealing with what the industry has given us. Mm -hmm. um, and I think another issue too, which this isn't just dance, this is worldwide as well. But, you know, when people start to lose weight, there becomes the phrases and the interactions of, oh my God, you look so good. Oh my God, like you look incredible. What are you doing? Da, da, da. And so that just encourages 
weight loss, which is what happened to me when I started to lose weight, I wasn't doing it in a healthy way. You know, I was eating nothing. And I also was taking diet pills, which are, I have a completely terrible view on now that I went through that and they're very addictive and they're very, um, anxiety, um, you know, adding and everything, but you know, I was doing that and people immediately like, Oh my God, you look so good. So subconsciously I'm like, Oh, I need to keep doing what I'm doing. And almost, it made me want to like even go more into what I was doing because I just wanted to get that much more fit and that much more skinny and whatnot, no matter how I was getting there, it was the fact that I was getting there. And so I think like a lot of the thing that we can as a society and as a human nation can do is when someone is, you know, not necessarily losing weight or gaining weight, but if they look healthy and if they look like they're glowing and if they look mentally stable and happy with what they're doing in their body, it's a matter of instead of saying you look so good, it's you look healthy or you look happy or things that, you know, even if instead of someone if someone came up to me and said oh my god you look so healthy it would have subconsciously maybe be like yeah but am I being healthy and then it would have maybe like not blaming it on other people this is my entire doing and everything but I think as a society we can help people that are going through a struggle of an eating disorder by trying to say words that are then going to make their minds think about what they're doing a little bit more rather than just being like oh my god I'm skinny people think I'm like looking good Mm, in that sense absolutely first I want to say that it wasn't just to say it it wasn't your own doing you just mentioned this was all my own doing this was mm. a response to society everybody is doing it so i just want to share that um yes. but secondly to your point too um i think you know when you talk about the praise that comes with weight loss, which is kind of what you're getting at, right? Like I remember for me, you know, when I worked in the music industry, I was at my heaviest weight. I was 312 pounds. It's my heaviest weight and was crushing it in music and getting lots of very glamorous and traveling and tours and whatever and felt horrible. And for me, it was a slow process after dieting for, you know, most of my life and yo-yo dieting, unlearning all of that led to this 100, you know, for me, it was 130 pound weight loss. And it was never with the goal of, okay, I need to lose as much weight as possible. It was just like, I just want to do the action that will make me feel good. And I remember at one point, I was probably 70, 80 pounds into that process. And I saw some friend that I hadn't seen in so long. And at that point, anytime I had seen an old friend, like you're saying, the first thing is like, oh my God, you look so amazing. Like, what have you been doing? You know what I mean? And um, I remember my friend didn't say anything, didn't comment on it at all. And in conversation, I had kind of brought up that I'd been working on this. And I mentioned like, I feel so much better. And he said, he's like, yeah, I have a rule that I don't comment on anybody's weight unless they say that they're feeling really good. And I remember just being like blown away by that, being like, that is like a simple and revolutionary thing. And it felt so good to be like, to just be reminded that it is about how you feel through that process. Um, I think that's incredible. Yeah, super rare though. Super rare. Yeah. Um, 
I I want to talk about praise and perfectionism. Cool. So I was reading a lot in kind of prep and thinking about this, um, about dancers, choreographers, just the whole space. Um, first, uh, studies show that any dancer of any kind is three to four times more likely to have an eating disorder than the general population. But beyond that, what I read over and over, article to article, which was so interesting, was that the number one most consistent personality trait in successful dancers was um, perfectionist tendencies. And then when you start to think about that, the success a lot of times is like that perfectionism shows up as discipline, consistency, doing, you know, crazy rehearsal schedules, prepping all this stuff. When you take perfectionism, though, and apply it to health and fitness and wellness, that gets really dangerous really quickly. So what have you found around that? Like, I, I find a lot of the time people get praised for being extreme in different parts or being successful or ambitious. But what's not mentioned is that same perfectionism turns into restriction or, you know, something too intense. Do you want to go, Mace? Yeah, I can. That's such a complex question. I'm just, I'm really trying to think of my view on that because I'm even learning perfectionism as a work ethic is harmful not only just like i think yes it has its perks um but as like a working person i'm learning that perfectionism can cause a lot of imposter syndrome and comparison um and i think i guess what i'm thinking right now is that that can also dive really heavily into health and wellness and nutrition um because i don't think there's as i don't think there's a perfect way of art i don't think there's a perfect way of eating um every artist is different and individual and unique in its own way as every body is different and unique and individual in its own way and you know if someone's eating fruit all the time and looking the way they are and I like the way they look it doesn't mean I'm going to eat fruit all the time and look the way they look because my body's not going to take it the same way so I don't think there's one perfect way of eating there's not one perfect way of dieting there's not one perfect way of exercising like every single body is made uniquely in its own and I think it just comes to really learning what feels good in your body and what makes you feel good and not being so focused on what's the perfect way to do this and what's the perfect way to look. Because like we said before, that's going to change in 10 years. The way, the way you look is not going to be the perfect way. So I hope that answers the question the best way possible, but I think I can relate it as an artist in the artistic way that there's no perfect way to be an artist. Um, if there was a perfect way, then, you know, it, Mozart and Picasso both wouldn't have been successful. It would have been one of them because there would have only been one way. And so I don't think as artists and as human bodies, there's not a perfect way to be, to exist, to eat, to exercise, everything. I think it's an individual journey and it's a 
it's an ongoing journey because as you age, your metabolism changes and your motivation changes and your momentum changes. And so it's a matter of literally every day, just feeling, trying to get internal and feel what feels right and what feels natural and not trying to be a perfect way. Yeah. That was so well said. <laughs> Dang, bro. That made sense. That, no, that totally did. I mean, the only thing I would add to that is like praise and perfection, even like you were saying, change is a constant, especially with generation after generation. It's always going to be different. But even me now from two years ago, I'm still trying to figure out what makes me feel good, what makes me feel happy, what makes me feel healthy, because um, it's constantly changing and it will never be perfect. But yeah. I think I'm slowly learning that that's okay. Yeah. And I'm getting comfortable in my own body. What has that been like for you, the process of learning it's okay? The, I mean, the process itself has been hell, but I mean, it's just made me come out a stronger person. And I, I truly, where I am right now in my life, I have never been happier. That could just be with time as I've gotten older and I've learned how the industry works and I figured it out, but it's been a slow process and I don't know where I came from, but I'm so happy I went through it because I am extremely happy right now in my life. The most I've ever been. But yeah. I love it. Um, one more topic I want to get to, which is we've talked through a lot of stuff on a hopeful, on a hopeful note, right? How, how do you heal in this process? And what does the larger dance community um, maybe need to look at? Are there solutions? Are there, do you feel like things are moving in a positive direction? How do you, how do you see it going from here? Um, I think I would say the hope that I have for the dance community is one, being more open and vulnerable and talking about diet culture um because we already know we're all on the same page and we know we're not alone so why are we not talking each other through it and helping each other because even though we subconsciously know everybody deals with it it's still lonely when it's not mentioned and we don't have a community to help each other through it because i'm a big person on support and how much that is a necessity in every way of life so if we don't have support support through unlearning diet cultures or unlearning subconscious things and traumas that were put in into us, then, you know, how are we going to get out of it without a support system? And then that also goes in to me with therapy. And I know, I think Ashley can also really talk about this as well, but having an unbiased opinion that you can speak about yourself and your problems for an hour without feeling like you're being a pity to someone else's time. That is such a necessity in this life, I think, because, you know, even when you're talking to like someone you're really close to and feel like you can be vulnerable, a whole hour talking about yourself, you're like, okay, I'm talking about myself too much. Like we need that because we need that self-discovery and you find so much about yourself by just talking about yourself and you can solve problems very easily that way. So I think that's another thing. It would be great if the dance community could provide therapists and therapy for people that are struggling with this. Um, if it was like a SAG or union 
if you're a part of it, that you could have therapy provided for you. I think that would be a very amazing thing that the dance community could have. Um, and then I think also like, like it would be great, which people are starting to do now, but a lot of amazing role models are starting to implement retreats, which I think would also be an amazing thing that we can just implement more and more. Um, a couple of me and Ashley's friends are going to be implementing retreats, one on like breath work and another on just like the self-discovery of like self-knowledge. Um, so I think even having a retreat that's specified on diet culture could be amazing. Like even if it's just an annual retreat, something that allows an open area for people and an invitation for people to come in and just really like be vulnerable with without having to just be vulnerable. Like it's more the space of being like, you are allowed to be vulnerable here rather than going into a group and being like, oh, I don't know if I want to talk about this. Like it needs to be a space that is very open and very inviting. So those are probably the things for me that I'd be hopeful about in the future and that the dance community can provide for all of us. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm working, I'm working on one of those right now. So we'll talk, <laughs> talk more afterwards. Talk more afterwards. Okay. Ashley, so exciting. You, thoughts, positivity. Um, no, I, well, I feel like more now than ever, I feel like the dance world is slowly changing. Thankfully, um, just little by little, I do notice that people who are OGs in the community are now coming back on social media and trying to provide, um, mental health like little bullet points in the mornings and like here's some breath work here's how you can help your day here's like a really good nutrition palette that you can take home with you um but i i agree with macy i think having a therapist a non-biased person by your side um would be amazing for all dancers because i think we need that the most especially for you know people who 18 year olds who move away from florida i mean they need a helping hand and they need some guidance. Um, but I, I think now than more now than ever, I think we are slowly making a positive change. And I, I there are a lot of people too in, in the industry right now that are having um, like, what are those? Um, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, Macy. Um, they're like not small conventions, but they're I can't like remember workshops. workshops. There's like a lot of workshops happening where these, OG choreographers are taking young ones underneath their wings but I almost think it would be such a cool thing if we told those people hey what if you did like a class on nutrition and you brought someone in to have a class or a class on mental health and how to when you wake up in the morning just take 10 minutes for yourself and then 10 minutes at night I think that could slowly be a great change that we could make beautiful Beautiful. Last question for both of you. I end every episode with this and every guest episode with this. So we've talked through a ton of stuff, right? Drum roll, get ready. We've talked through nutrition, mental health, uh, emotional health, body dysmorphia, all things dance, praise, workaholism, all of it. Um, my last question for each of you is how would you define true health? Hmm. Who's going first? <laughs> the straight silence of thought. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking on that one. Stop. It's a tough one. Um, the sign. Well, you know, I'm a I'm a natural oh. rambler, so I'll just ramble whatever first comes to my brain. Um, I would define true health as 
through bliss maybe and a sense of a healthy lifestyle is a lifestyle where you feel bliss not like happiness because that's a fleeting emotion and joy I think is like I don't know if it's possible to feel joy all the time because sadness is you know impossible to avoid but I think bliss is a matter of in whatever you're doing in your life and whatever you feel internally no matter what emotion you're feeling you're okay with it and you're satisfied with it and you know that it's there for a reason and that's what I define the word bliss as because I think even if you're sad you can find bliss because you're like I know this is for a reason and it's it's a vulnerable thing and I'm learning about myself um so for me I think true health is feeling that feeling blissful feeling good about wherever you are in your life and like I said earlier it's an ongoing journey so true health Mm -hmm. is the journey and not the destination yeah beautiful 100% Mace how about you I mean Kind of going off of what Macy said, I mean, right now in my life, I'm the happiest I've ever been. And I actually consider myself to be the healthiest. So I think that goes hand in hand. Um, Mentally, I've never been more um, aware. And I think day to day life, I've finally figured out what works best for me. And I think that's the best health I can give myself. Um, and I, yeah, I think bliss and happiness is what makes me the most healthiest. Beautiful. I, um, I have a vision of a world where when people are on tour, there are health coaches that they have access to while on the road that can help, um, make it a more sustainable, healthy environment and dancers as well as other creatives, musicians, everybody else, um, are actually educated on um, the realities of what could be helpful through all this. So I appreciate both of you being so vulnerable, sharing this Um, much more to come. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of it. So thank you both very much. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, Ethan. So everybody listening, I'm going to put links to both of uh, all of their amazing stuff in the episode notes and um yeah thank you both have an awesome rest of your day thank you you too thanks